Good morning, Indianapolis, and thank you for tuning in to another installment of Open Lines. I'm Ebony Chappelle here with Cameron Riddle and Tina Cosby, and we have another fantastic show planned for you. How are you all feeling this morning? Tina, good morning. Uh, good morning, all. How's everything going? Pretty good. good. How are you this morning? <laughs> never better, never better. Well, uh, you- broadcasting from home, as has been the uh, case for the past several days, so... Uh, Hey, it's all working out. But thank God for technology, huh? Indeed. (laughs) We're able to figure that out. So you all, this morning, like I said, we have a jam-packed show for you. We are bringing you all of the information you need to know as far as coronavirus goes across the state and right here in our own backyard. This morning, we're going to be talking with Senator J.D. Ford, and we're going to be discussing a few things about um, what's going on in his district, some tough questions that he's asked the state about resources for COVID-19. particularly for those that are in our correctional facilities working as well as inmates. We're also going to hear from IU Health. They are offering free coronavirus screenings for anybody and everybody and we're going to talk to them about that and also do a mock screening on the air so you guys see how that goes. And we will also be talking with Dr. Lindy Randall-Hayes. She is a traveling ER doctor who has worked in facilities here in Indianapolis and also across the country because our our um, healthcare providers are in top need right now. So, Kim, I know you have some news for us. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot going on in the news, and that's why we're doing this show today, because of what is happening in the news. So, so that it all makes sense for you, let's get you caught up on what is happening in the world this morning. Indiana now has 3,953 confirmed cases and 116 deaths from coronavirus. Indianapolis Marion County continues its track as an emerging hotspot with 1,500 cases. Across central Indiana, Hamilton County now has 265 cases. Hendricks County now has 163. And Johnson County has 180. And 53. The next update of coronavirus data is scheduled for 10 o'clock this morning. Indiana's confirmed number of cases is expected to rise above the 4,000 mark. Indianapolis EMS crews will start treating people on scene to avoid taking patients to the hospital who can recover at home. New protocols, which go into effect this weekend, allow paramedics to use their training and expertise to treat patients and allow them to remain at home when possible. The new protocols hope to help keep non-COVID-19 patients from being exposed to the virus and reduce the burden on healthcare services as a surge of coronavirus patients is expected this month. In the forecast, it's shaping up to be a nice day in Indy. Cloudy skies and a 10% chance of rain with a high of 55 degrees. Right now, it is 42 degrees in Indy. All right. Thank you so much, Cameron, for that amazing news update, keeping us um, informed about what's going on. And we have Senator J.D. Ford on the line representing District 29, Senate District 29. Hello, Senator Ford. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Great, great. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, Bring us up to date um, about what's going on in your district as it relates to um, the coronavirus and all of the various ways that it's affected our daily lives. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on again this morning. I I greatly appreciate the opportunity to kind of get the message out there uh, about what we're doing uh, to battle this COVID-19 you know, I was uh, been dutifully watching 
uh, press conferences that Governor Holcomb has been doing. Uh, and I do appreciate and applaud him uh, for giving those, um, you know, 2.30 daily press conferences to let the state know what we're doing to, to battle COVID-19. Um, I did uh, send him a letter, you know, with some additional questions that I had, uh, particularly about the number of ICU beds uh, that we will need when the peak of this uh, COVID-19 arrives as well as, uh, you know, the amount of ventilators that we'll need. Um, and, uh, and so after I sent that letter, uh, that following Monday press conference, they were able to release those numbers. But also in my letter, I was uh, a little, need some additional clarification, uh, simply because earlier in the week before I sent my letter, uh, Commissioner Carter uh, said that the Department of Corrections wasn't testing offenders. And then later in the same week, he said that no offender had COVID-19. Mm. And so my question was, is that if you're not testing, then how can you make a definitive statement to say that no offender had COVID-19? And we know now that that is not the case. Um, I, I did read your letter and I noticed um, later on, we got some information about um, one of the prisons with positive cases is the Indiana Women's Prison, which is That's located correct. in your district. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about your concerns as far as it um, goes for inmates and correctional officers being taken care of? Sure. I mean, you know, for me, I actually toured uh, the Indiana State Women's Prison when I first came into office. And uh, most folks don't know this, but uh, that that particular facility allows, uh, you know, their children to be, um, you know, babies uh, to be inside the facility to keep the mom and uh, child relationship intact mm -hmm. and they live in these little pods. And so, um, you know, I, I, like many of you know that, you know, once we get the COVID inside those tight spaces, uh, like a prison facility or a nursing home facility, uh, it'll spread rapidly. Yeah. It's like wildfire um, at that point. Yeah. And so I was concerned because, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, I mean, I was a little disappointed with the Department of Corrections because, mm -hmm. you know, I had sent that letter. I got a response back saying they were in receipt of the letter, but I actually had to learn through the media uh, that those uh, confirmed cases uh, through the, the Indy Star article, actually, that we had con confirmed cases. And, you know, I was just disappointed to read that kind of secondhand. I was hoping that the Department of Corrections was, was going to, you know, send me some information back. I mean, I did get a letter back from them on Friday, uh, mm -hmm. outlining some of their procedures. But, um, it, you know, it, it's just a concern for me because obviously these offenders, they don't have an opportunity to go somewhere else to isolate or quarantine. 239-9696, 239-9696. If you want to get in on this conversation with the senator this morning, we are talking um, about uh, the coronavirus crisis that has now entered our jails and prisons across the state of Indiana um, and just this week, the ACLU has asked the state of Indiana and the governor to um, release those nonviolent inmates and mm -hmm. to release people who have not been fully processed uh, throughout the judicial process. So let's say you've just been arrested, but you're sitting inside of the jail before getting a bond uh, or, or bail. They are asking that those uh, folks be released because mm -hmm. they're not necessarily in some cases, not a threat to public society in a violent um, type of way. And so we all know some folks who are behind bars, good or bad. We've all got family who've done some things. And we all know that uh, any one of us could be there today, even if you have not done something 
uh, that makes you guilty. I say all that to say the people behind bars are still uh, people. Absolutely. And they still need to be uh, cared for because once you get coronavirus to just run rampant in in one of these situations, everybody has it. So, yeah. Senator, for you, um, do you think uh, the state should be releasing these nonviolent uh, people who are behind bars? Absolutely. This should not even be a question for our state leaders. This, you know, the letter that I sent uh, to Governor Holcomb and Commissioner Carter dated March the 28th, basically what I was calling for was let's have a comprehensive review of the DC DOC offenders um, and anybody who meets the criteria of having six months left in their sentence and who is a nonviolent offender uh, can we just release those folks? Um, you know, and obviously there are some concerns. We can't just release them, and them the proper resources back into the. So definitely taking all of that into consideration. I will, but, Sen- S- Senator, if I can get you to hang on for just one second. We invited folks to join this conversation at two three nine nine six nine six, and a couple of people have done so. Uh, would you mind taking some uh, uh, questions from some of the listeners? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. Let's go to the open lines live line right now. Two, three, nine, nine, six, nine, six. Let's see who this is on line one. Caller, good morning. What's your name? It's uh, Larry Bond. Good, good morning, Larry. What do you think about this? You know, I can't see how they are trying to trivialize this situation where our economy is being destroyed and concentrating on the matters that are the residual of what they're doing and not looking at what's really happened. Our government is being overthrown, right? It's been overthrown by the medical industrial complex, as is other governments around the world. There's no reason that this should happen. I'll give you one example before I get off the phone, and you can check this. Call the Department of Health here in town, over there on Rural Street. Find out how many deaths they had last year in the time period from uh, February to March the 30th. And you will find that you cannot find those statistics because... I suggest that all they're doing is is they're playing on anything they can get to get the death rate up so that they can get more money from the federal government to cover up state deficits that they're going to have across the board. I talked about 2020 before. Jay Ford, you should know about this. You're in the state house. They have property tax caps. That took corporations off the hook for paying taxes. All this plays in together. Well, Larry, and, uh, thank you, you so much. Yeah, research it. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but uh, we need to take this more serious because our government's being overthrown. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call, Larry Vine. All right, hey, and if you disagree with Larry, guess what? You can call in and voice your opinion. Absolutely. On, on this as well at two three nine nine six nine. Yeah, and Tina, did you have you know, something? Well, yeah. the only thing I was going to say was we need to focus on the on the virus for sure because the virus is not just an Indiana government problem or anything like that. And I don't think we should get off track discussing things that are not the virus. This is a worldwide situation. Okay. So it it cannot necessarily be just an Indiana conspiracy. So I think we need, I don't think we do ourselves justice or do ourselves very, very much good by getting off track because this is an emergency. People are Absolutely. dying. Yes, and people that's are. Not a gov- that, that's real. Yes. That's exact- but, uh, but Senator Ford, my, my question to you is what is it that you have come to understand that the situation currently is as far as what 
they are doing within the state's uh, prisons and institutes. And the reason I ask is that um, I have a sister who is a teacher at a minimum security uh, women's prison. And while the at this point they're not being released, there are a few buildings, I believe she told me, and I'm, I think I'm fairly accurate. I think I'm fairly right about this. But there are a few buildings that they're using to move inmates who have tested positive to get them away from the the, the population, but a release hasn't been put in place. What, to the best of your knowledge, is the current, uh, I guess, uh, strategy right now or or what's going on in terms of what they can tell you? Yeah, that's a great question, Tina. And I just also wanted just to echo your your first comments to the caller and just say that uh, this is something that is really just really ravishing our state. Um, and uh, Governor Holcomb this past week with other leaders started the In This Together campaign. Um, yes. Because it's because we all know that, you know, this isn't something that we're choosing to do. Um, you know, we are choosing however, to, you know, stay at home, wash our hands and, and battle this. And so you're absolutely correct and spot on. This is, should be our only focus. And I cannot stress that enough is that we still have people out there that aren't taking this very seriously. Exactly. Uh, to answer your, your second question uh, in, in regards to what is the DOC doing, I actually just got a letter back from uh, the Department of Corrections on Friday um, and because this was my initial concern was that when I first reached out to them back in early March, all they really sent me was a very reactive COVID-19 response policy. And, and basically all it said was that they were just going to close visitation for the facilities. And, and so I, you know, looked and tried to find, you know, what happens if an offender uh, test positive for COVID-19. And, and that, again, that was kind of the, the genesis of the letter that I sent on March the 28th. But the letter that I got back from the DOC yesterday says that they're screening all inmates at intake and they're going to closely monitor them in separate cohorts for signs of the disease for more than 14 days. Mm-hmm. Um, they've identified locations within each facility to quarantine. So that's what you were just talking about. Uh, they've updated me uh, to share with me that there are now to date six total confirmed positive cases, one at the women, or excuse me, two at the women's uh, prison in Indianapolis, one at the Edinburgh Correctional Facility and three at the Plainfield Correctional Facility. So now we have mm. that. It may not know, be being, updated. Yeah. And, and it, who knows, after this weekend, this this could be you know outdated information. Um, but as they mentioned, they've stopped all visitation. They're restricting volunteers. Uh, they're ending work crews, uh, significantly limiting the movement of those on work release and curtailing inmate transfers between facilities to stop the spread. All right, Senator Tina Ebony, hold that thought real quick. We've got more callers on the line here this morning who want to join the conversation on our live line at 239-9696, 239-9696. Let's go to the caller on line one. Caller, good morning. What's your name? My name is Paul. Hey, Reed. Paul, what's on your mind this morning? Well, I wanted to address something that Ms. Cosby said uh, prior to the that one that first guy that called in mm-hmm. uh, with his with his question. Mm-hmm. First of all, yes, the COVID nineteen it is serious. It is it is very serious, obviously. But there's a bigger picture here, and there's a lot more going on uh, that meets the eye. Uh, if you get a report from a prison or jail or anything like that, there's a person, a spokesperson that delivers that information. And y'all not getting no information from the people that's actually been incarcerated or 
get the direct information of how the inmates are being treated as far as medical, um, as far as med- their medical uh, health is concerned. Uh, I personally myself did a presentation for a judge about that very thing. Uh, so there's a bigger picture going on here. And understand that the coronavirus started in animals, and it cannot be transferred to human beings. This COVID-19 okay. is a man-made Okay, we're going to go ahead and wrap this caller up. But yeah, thank you so much for your comment. Just because we want to make sure that we are, um, to Tina's earlier point, um, maintaining the integrity of the seriousness of this disease. Um, As far as people that are actually incarcerated, I have a good friend whose brother is in Plainfield. And we had this discussion um, before it was made public about someone in his facility Um, coming down with this so like it was mentioned before those are the numbers right now but we know that this is going to spread Um, they've already told us that we haven't reached our peak in the state of Indiana we're a few weeks behind reaching that peak where so many people are going to be affected Senator Ford I know you have somebody very close to you um, that works in the party that was affected and was and was dealing with this Um, but just want to make sure that we are underscoring the seriousness of this disease and not um, launching into conspiracy theories and things like that. Yeah, the seriousness and the science are really important, and that's what's going to benefit us, and that's For how sure. we're going to move forward, and that's how we're going to help as many people that need help as possible. The seri- Take it seriously. Take it from responsible, reputable sources, and do the best that we can. Because, um, Ebony, I do agree with you as well. Uh, with, uh, you know, having my sister and, and, and again, my sister works there. Mm-hmm. None of the information that I'm sharing now is official, but yeah. I will say that during the daily press briefings in Cameron, Ebony, we all listen to them. We watch them. I carry them on my show yeah. uh, each and every day. And one of the things that Dr. Box um, says on more than she has said on more than one occasion is these numbers aren't necessarily today or what happened last night. These are numbers that are catching up to us. We're doing our very best to catch up mm-hmm. to what's what's going on. But but just as we were saying, uh, Senator Ford as well, um, that the numbers that you have could be three times or four times as many. It could be in a whole lot more. And it obviously, if we're logical, it is in it more is. than just a few facilities. It is. I mean, that would be impossible if it were not. Yeah. But the thing we have to do is to proceed as um, as as Dr. Adams uh, advised us several weeks ago, act as if everybody has it yeah. and and, you know, and then go from there. So that's the urgency that we have to um, that we have to move forward with. And Senator Ford, I do um, I do agree that that we've got to get to everybody, not just, you know, the people that we see in front of us every day. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, another caller who All is right. on the line here, 239-9696. Obviously, it's a good conversation because folks keep calling wanting to join it, and that's what we want mm-hmm. you to do at 239-9696. Sure. Let's see who's on the line right now. Caller, good morning. What's your name? Hi, I'm Samari. Hi, Samari. Hi, Samari. What's, your, what's your thought? So, well, I just wanted to know if you think that the city of Indianapolis is actually taking precaution um, as we should, like every other um, county would be. So I have kind of traveled in the midst of the quarantine, and I've noticed, like, in other counties and other cities, you can tell that they're really trying to lock their city down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel as if 
we're taking the same precaution in Indianapolis. So if you guys feel the yeah. same way or if it's if we're supposed to be expecting something more serious mm-hmm. because like right now, um, you know, like I'm I'm able to go to the grocery store, you know, and, and buy things for my family and for my household. Um and I see you know, a lot of people out and they're buying like frivolous things. Mm. Uh, well, okay. well, that's. I don't feel like are we really taking enough precaution? And when we say we're only taking essential traveling. So let yeah. me ask you this before we all try to answer that. And by the way, the phone. I would love just, to hear Senator Ford's take on this from his well, district. Just yeah. hold, just hold that thought for just one second, because the phone lines just blew up. But before we do that, let me <laughs> re-ask you this question: When you say the city of Indianapolis, are they taking it seriously? Do you mean the city, as in our city leaders, or do you mean the actual people and the citizens? Right. Right, right. Yeah. because I was thinking the same thing, Cameron. There's a city issue and there's a citizen issue. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. how many times have we been made aware of citizens who are not taking it seriously? So which and one was it for? Pictures. Which one was and, it for you? I, I will have to say um, it all goes back to the leaders because I feel like at the end of the day, if your people, if they know to take it that serious, they will. Of course, you'll mm-hmm. still have like your strays that get out and you know, they have to rebel. But for the most part, if your people, if, if they have to, you know, then they will. And if they know that it's that serious, I think right now, like the first couple of callers, they're conspiracy theorists. And I think that's what the most, like for the most part, that's what people are on right now. Like they're mm-hmm. trying to pick apart what it is that's going on themselves instead of actually taking it. Adhering to the advice. Yep. Exactly. Thank you so much, Samari. Senator Ford, what are your thoughts on that from a leadership perspective? I, well, thanks again, Tamari, for that question. You know, it, to, I, I can assure you that Mayor Hogsett and his administration are taking this very seriously. Um, but I'm going to push back a little bit and say that it's going to take all of us. It's going to take everyday citizens uh, to elected officials. And I think, that, again, that's why Mayor Hogsett, in conjunction with Governor Holcomb, so you've got a Democrat and Republican, bipartisan, working together. They created this In This Together campaign. Uh, to really show people uh, that we are in this together and that we're going to work together to stay home and flatten the curve, as as people say. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, I see the cars on the roads, too. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think the stay-at-home order um, is a little broad, uh, but at the same time, uh, I know Governor Holcomb wanted to, to keep it that way uh, and, and really just stress the stay-at-home order. Um, but I can tell you that Mayor Hogsett has even taken that stay-at-home order even a step further. He has extending it to May 1st as opposed to April 2nd, which is what the state was saying. So, Correct. Yeah. Well, Senator Ford, well, before before we let you go, because we're up against the clock here, ladies and uh, Senator Ford, let me just say this, because we can continue this conversation on the other side of the break. Um, but to, to go back to what Samari was saying about city leaders, I will first give credit where credit is due. And our Mayor Joe Hogsett was... Uh, ahead of any of our state leaders he was, um, yeah. in shutting the schools and the city down. That happened And back, the restaurants as well, the that, bars. Yeah. That happened back at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when the mayor, uh, it was on a Thursday, shut down all of our schools mm-hmm. in the area here in Marion County. And at the time, uh, nothing else in Indiana had shut down. He was the first to start making those moves. He was ahead with the other governors from um, Illinois and from Ohio when they 
they started shutting things down. Remember, I'm talking a month ago. And right. so since then, things started to trickle in. Then we started to see some action from uh, Governor Eric Holcomb, Go- Governor Eric Holcomb with his stay at home order. And then we started seeing him start to shut. Uh, actually, he was one of the last governors to issue a statewide um, stay at home order for all of the schools. So the mayor was ahead of the game. So when you talk about the city of Indianapolis now in the uh, recent weeks, uh, the governor has, I would say, uh, hit the gas a bit because I think he and Dr. Box are looking at these numbers. And again, I'm at these press conferences every single day and I can hear it in their voice, uh, the seriousness, how they're taking it, what Mm -hmm. they're seeing and the numbers. The numbers we're going to see today, as Tina mentioned, uh, is data from the past really two weeks. Once everything is confirmed, then they release it. But as the governor and as our state's chief health commissioner, they see the numbers. They know if you die today, they're going to know it. But we might not know it for several more days. And so when I hear it in his voice, I do believe now that the governor uh, is taking this very seriously. And he stresses this um, daily that uh, the the worst is, is still to come. So. With all of that said, whether where our public officials stepped up and started taking this seriously is in different places. But now it goes to the people of Indianapolis. And I feel like I've seen in more and more days, more and more cars out there. So I think and the, the weather is getting warmer. Yeah. So I think people are getting that cabin fever. I've seen it, too, in my yeah. neighborhood, um, even to the point where they had to start putting two by fours on the basketball uh, hoops because people were still out shooting hoops and it's like we know you all want to be outside and you want to enjoy the weather but we have to have to have to take this seriously so so to samari at the beginning yeah you could you could debate who was on board when and there but we're talking a month ago and this stuff changes every couple of minutes now i don't know if any of our local leaders who are not telling people to stay home who are not taking this seriously or who believes this is a conspiracy theory it's now up to us as the citizens of indianapolis to take this seriously and protect one another and I, I, I guess that is the answer uh, to that question. That's that's exact. Cameron, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, and, echo and you. Well, Ebony. Yeah. Well, thank you. I like yeah. being echoed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Senator Ford, did you have something before we wrap up? No, I, I would just uh, again just say thanks again for having me on this morning uh, to talk about the offenders in the Department of Corrections and, and to really just stress to your uh, listening audience today that, like you all just said, uh, staying home, flattening the curve, washing your hands. And then Tina made a great point. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people on my Facebook, you know, share incorrect articles Mm, or or share, you know, some rumors that they heard. Please do not do that. Please fact check your sources before you share because you're just kind of, you know, adding to that problem. Senator J.D. Ford calling in this morning to the Open Line Show. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank Thank you, you all. Take care. All right. Uh, This conversation has uh, started to blow up our phone lines because they are all busy right now. So if you try to call in at uh, 239-9696, just stay right there. We're going to get to you. And if you're getting a busy signal, stick around because we're going to get you involved in this conversation. When we continue across the break, we will continue this conversation about coronavirus and how our folks are taking it. And that is uh, comes right on time with some new data that we are seeing about how this is affecting the black community, how black people yes, are absolutely. Um, disproportionately are, are, affected by yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's right. So we're going to talk about that as well as all of the things that change. As I said earlier, 
earlier, this stuff changes minute by minute, day by day. If you were to check at the beginning of the week, they were telling you not to wear masks on your face out in public. If you looked at what they said on Friday and Saturday, now they're saying wear masks. We'll tell you why they're saying that and give you an opportunity to chime in if you're wearing a mask or if you're going to follow the president's personal advice not to do that. We're going to talk about all of that this morning when the Open Line show continues. I'm Cameron Riddle with Ebony Chappelle and our Community Affairs Director, Tina Cosby, on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. This is the Open Line Show. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. Welcome back. Welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. I'm Ebony Chappelle here with Cameron Riddle and Tina Cosby. We want to say thank you to Senator J.D. Ford um, for calling in on our first segment this morning to talk about everything that's happening in District 29, as well as um, what's being done to protect our inmates that are in correctional facilities and people that work in those facilities as well, because coronavirus has impacted them too so it is really real um later on in the show we're going to hear from iu health they're going to talk about some free coronavirus screenings that they're offering as well as dr lindy randall hayes who is a traveling er doctor but before we jump back into all of that we have some callers cameron who's first on the line all right we're continuing the conversation this morning about coronavirus and uh the precautions that people are taking. We had some folks uh, call in and on one hand think it's a conspiracy. On the other hand, folks aren't so convinced that the people here in the city of Indianapolis are taking it uh, so seriously as they see a lot of drivers out there uh, going to work who possibly could be essential employees. But I don't know if everybody is that essential when you look at the amount of traffic that is out there on Sunday. So what are you guys seeing? That's why we invite you to join this conversation at 239-9696. Let's see. Who's on line one? Caller, good morning. Good morning. Yes. What's hey, your caller, name? What's your name? Yeah. My name's Brianna. Brianna. I right. understand about the stay at home order and about people being out on the streets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when you watch the news, the news tell you to get out, but practice your social distancing. So, yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. what newscast are you hearing that's telling you to get out? Fox 59, they're saying get out and enjoy the weather, but make sure you practice your social distance. And no, she's she's 100% right about that. Dr. Box yeah. and up to Dr. Fauci. They've, okay. And Dr. Fauci is even, he was mm-hmm. talking about yesterday, he went out for yeah, a walk. He and his wife went yeah. for a walk. Yeah, so, so to be clear, you can go outside. Like, we're not saying, they're not telling you to bolt your doors and do not go outside of the house. So you can go out for a walk. Obviously, you right. can go out and get some fresh air, but they're saying... Don't meet up with twenty of your family members at over at yeah. uh, at Riverside Park. At, at Riverside Park, <laughs> don't and, do that. Uh, that was, that's the distinction I was yes. looking for. Yes, for yes. Sure. Go outside, stand outside. Yeah, and you can yeah. even go out. You know, for a little drive. We took the scenic route uh, along beautiful Thirty Eighth Street yesterday when we went to go pick up pick up some uh, seafood mm-hmm. takeout. Lovely. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, you have to eat. Yes, yeah. and so we took the scenic route. You know, just to get some fresh air because we've been inside. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people are seeing. You know, that's one 
something, the traffic flow on a Saturday and Sunday is different from a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I know what I'm seeing when I leave. Only time I've left my house, I've been doing all my radio news updates from home. I've been doing my TV from home. Mm -hmm. Only time I've left the house is to go do my live shots for Channel 6 outside of the state house. And as I go at the exact same time every day around 430, there's more and more traffic headed in to downtown because I take 65 and I'm seeing mm-hmm, more yeah. and more people. And I think and that's typically what you're that's seeing. a time when people should be heading out of downtown if they're essential workers. So and thank that, you so I, much I, for your yeah. call, Brianna. Yeah, People probably shouldn't get it confused with go. OK, go ahead and go to the store. Go ahead and just. Because I, I've heard people on my show complain about um, people in stores literally just shopping, spending time in the stores to get out of the house instead of going in, getting what they need, and then coming back out. So we have to be clear. There's you're absolutely nothing wrong. I took a walk the other day when I when I saw that there was nobody out there. I put my mask on, my gloves and everything, and took a walk and came back. That's different than congregating, you know, like going out. It's totally different. And thank you so much um, again, Brianna, for your call and Tina for um, highlighting that distinction. I think it's very understandable, especially for people that are um, social butterflies and extroverts, that this time is incredibly hard for them. Um, I'm the complete opposite of that. So being at home is like heaven to me. Um, I did take a walk uh, with my cat and I posted that on on social media and I had her in her little backpack and I made sure that I wore a face covering. Now, this was earlier in the week. And I know that at that point, people were debating back and forth, like if they if they wanted to wear a mask or not. I had been wearing masks when I went to public places like grocery stores and things like that, um, because everyone doesn't respect the six feet rule. <laughs> so I'm like, let me give myself an extra barrier of protection, um, but wanted to know what people thought about that as well. We had been told two different things. Either you can wear the mask or you can't. If you know, you don't. If you don't want to. Um, but now it seems like people are being advised to wear some sort of covering. But then the president, like you mentioned earlier, Cameron, has said that he's not going to wear anything because he just doesn't want to. So what do you guys think about that? 317-239-9696. All of the phone lines are busy. We have callers standing by. Let's see who this is on line two. Caller, good morning. What's your name? Uh, My name is Troy. Good morning to all. Good morning, Troy. What's your question or your comment? Well, there's two questions, actually. The first being if this pandemic that they – actually saw coming would have i mean i don't know any kind of nowhere uh shape form or fashion uh mattering now because they didn't do it but what would do what do the media feel they would have been uh if they would have just did an actual countrywide shutdown i mean just shut everything down because if we're looking at the possibility of spreading by social gathering this and that and other if everything is on total lockdown how can it keep how can it continue to spread okay question one and what's what's question two now question two is now that we have like what you're what you guys have been you know talking on about the level of people being out this and that and other is because day in and day out you're getting two sides of the story uh, about all of this so people are not taking it serious because one minute you're saying hey stay in the house then the other minute like you said you know the the being able to get out and exercise and things of that nature but if we know we're in uh, a pandemic like we're in and 
if we're now being told to wear masks, not to wear masks. I mean, you know, you're getting so many different conflict of interest in information, mm -hmm. you don't know what to believe. So you, you're going to go off of, now me, myself, my grandmother used to tell us all the time, if sense was common, everybody had it. Mm -hmm. So possibly a lot of these folks don't have common sense because me, myself, I'm looking at the state of what our country is in. I don't need someone to tell me to wear a mask or to protect myself. Mm. That that's just general. That's a generality. You ought to know better than just keep on running up, running your life as though nothing's taking place in it. And this is something major and it's huge. But that's my that's my question. Uh, I don't believe in all of the conspiracy theory. I mean, we all have them. We all think it. But at the end of the day, what would have happened if when they first got this data to shut the to shut the country down? Would this possibly have stopped? the multiple spread of where it's at now? So, okay, so first, let me, I can answer both of those questions for you, because like I said, I've been living and breathing this stuff every single day at the press right. conferences, watching it, uh, so I'm not a, an official on it, but I can tell you how things have changed. So you talked about how one minute they tell you to do something else, and another minute they tell you to do something completely the opposite of that, and you're not wrong. You are not wrong with that. The issue is this stuff changes minute by minute by minute. And I think a lot of people would hear that and say, OK, big deal. I get that. Things change minute by minute. The issue is when people don't admit that things are changing or that they admit, well, when I told you this three weeks ago, um, that might not have been correct or my thinking has evolved on that. And then when people hear that, they're like, OK, I get it. Beginning, you were saying we didn't need to wear masks, but this is a pandemic and it's unprecedented. So now. You're seeing something that eh, you might not have been so right at the beginning, but now you're telling me to wear masks. That's literally all it is, is that this stuff has changed multiple times from should you wear a mask? Is it effective in the public to not wearing a mask? I'll tell you this. I asked our state commissioner, Dr. Box, on Monday. I said, Dr. Box, uh, we know that there was a shortage on face masks. However... The national conversation is changing to where these national doctors are saying, eh, even the Surgeon General, maybe we should be wearing masks. We're going to explore the general public wearing masks. So I asked her, OK, as our state's top doctor, what do you recommend? And she said, um, I said before, I don't think people need to be wearing masks because it may not only not be effective, it's also um not let me rephrase that it may not only not only be unnecessary but it also is causing more harm than good when it comes to the nurses and doctors who need those masks so it's her opinion that um at, at the time was that those masks need to be given to healthcare workers so i asked her that question again on friday and she evolved her thinking again and she said you know what i've watched the national news too and i hear what they're saying and, you know, if the public, I won't go against that, but if the public wants to wear a mask, I guess they could. But again, I stress that the high quality, the N95 and the surgical mask needs to be going to the doctors and hospitals. So right there, she admitted, yeah, I get it. The, the thinking has changed. And I was saying one thing and I still not going to completely change my thought, but it's evolved. So that's how that stuff continues to change. So the, really the advice is you got to watch every day because if you miss two days of news, you've missed two months of news in this pandemic world. On, the, on your first point, would this have uh, changed everything if we had done it from the beginning? I've heard uh, experts say 
it would have slowed it. There's really no way to stop this. And that's why you never hear anybody say we're going to stop the spread of coronavirus. We're going to slow the spread of coronavirus so that our hospitals are not overwhelmed with a surge of people needing treatment. So you could never stop it. But you certainly could have slowed it. The issue with doing that is people confusing this with what this pandemic is. Is it a public health emergency or is it an economic problem? And the people who have not shut their states down still yet or the governors who shut their stuff down on Thursday and Friday were viewing this first as an economic problem. If I shut my state down, Mm -hmm. all these people are going to be out of work. All of these restaurants are going to be closed. People are going to lose their jobs. But you've had another school of thinking from governors saying, well, that's all great. The economy. I get that. But if you're dead. It you don't have matter. a business anyway. Absolutely. So how about I shut everything down and save some lives? So that's where the why you've had some governors do one thing and other other governors do another. So, no, you couldn't have stopped it, but you certainly could slow it down if we all were on the same accord. Because here in Indianapolis, we're in the center of the state. But if I'm in Gary, Indiana, which is just a rock's throw across the border from Illinois, and we're not and we are right now, but if we weren't under a stay-at-home order, but Chicago was. You think the virus is just going to go to that uh, state line and say, ah, can't cross because uh, uh, they, they, there's no uh, stay-at-home order over there. No, it's going to go right across, and that's what the people do. So you can't have one state do one thing and then the other state not do it as well and, it, and wonder why it keeps traveling. So a long answer and, and to Cameron, both of your questions. And, yeah, yeah. And, go and ahead, Cameron, Tina. Cameron, that, that underscores the ongoing call for a uniform national policy that has yet to be enacted. Uh, there are more calls here on the phone lines. Let's go to the caller on line three. Caller, good morning. Good morning. And what's your name, caller? Angela, how are you doing? Angela, thank you so much for calling in. We're doing great. What's your comment or your question? I have a comment. Mm-hmm. I know some people that work for Indigo um, handicap buses that don't have any masks, no cleaning supplies, no mm-hmm. um, gloves, no hand sanitizer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that comment. I know that there's. Well, well, before you go, um, I still got another another comment. Oh, go right on ahead. Also, I know people that's working at Shoppers World, Mm. and they're open, but you got places like um, Rainbow and City Trends closed down. We don't understand why Shopper World is still open, and they're not selling any food and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. So. I just might get that out to the public. Those two things right there are big concerns because I got family members that work for these people, and they have concerns. And they have kids, and I don't understand why Shoppers World still open, but we have all the other little stores to close. That doesn't make sense. Well, um, Angela, what, what was your you name? Thank you so much for your call. What was your name? Angela. Angela, first off, I appreciate you calling because in this time, a lot of people just feel voiceless and that they cannot speak up about what's happening at their job and what's happening around them out of fear of retaliation or getting fired. So, one, thank you for calling and letting uh, the public know about some environments that, one, may not be safe for us to go because I don't necessarily want to go shop somewhere where I know people are not... Uh, where they're not protected. Yeah, yeah. Where, where they're not doing social distancing or they, they may not have a mask on. So, one, thank you. Two, I want you to stay listening. I will look up the phone number 
Um, there is a, a a number and a way to report businesses that may not be one either closed or following the proper um, executive order, whether it came from the mayor or the governor. I'm going to look that up and try to give that out throughout the show. But in the meantime, that is a number that you can look up to and report businesses who are not doing things that they are supposed to be doing to protect their customers. I can't speak for Shoppers World on exactly why they may be open, because I know a lot most clothing stores are. Um, again, the list of who can be open is extremely broad. Um, and so there are some places that people are questioning why they're open, but there is a way to report that. And then secondly, I'll say for Indigo, we did have them on last week and they have made several changes to how they're operating. And on the big buses, you know, there's more than one door. So you go in the rear door to give the driver an added layer of protection. They have given the, they are handicapped buses. Right, right. Yep. No, you're right. I'm I'm coming to the handicap. I just want to make sure we give Indigo their due because they did call in and tell us what they were doing um, on the big buses. And so that was to protect the drivers on the smaller buses. um, They were limiting it to one passenger per row. And you're saying on the smaller buses, because there is no other door, there's only one way in, one way out. It's not as protected. Drivers, I don't see them having no gloves on, no mask on, and no hand sanitizer. I'm like, and this is, I'm a handicapped person, so I worry about my safety. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense because you have to be on that bus with them, and other people have used that vehicle as well, riding back and forth to where they need to go. So we need to make sure that people are protected. Um, I wonder if that's something that we can talk to Indigo about to figure out what they're doing. I know I have a, a family member that works at a place right now where they don't have the proper materials that they need either. So we have been making sure that we have that stuff at home to provide for them. Um, The same with the mask, finding people that are selling them or making them at home to try to protect ourselves. Because unfortunately, um, sometimes our employers just don't have, either they don't have access to the things they need um, or whatever else is going on. Cause I know those things are in short supply, but again, thank you so much for your call. Yeah. Angela, again, thank you for that, for blowing the whistle on that because Indigo does listen to this show. Yeah. And I do know at, when I first talked to them over a week ago, they were not providing the mask that you're seeing the bus drivers wear or, or the gloves that was all voluntary. But as we know, that mm-hmm. stuff is very, very hard to come by. And so yeah. maybe now, uh, as they hear your concern as someone who's not only listening to the radio, but someone who uses Indigo, they may try and find a way to give those drivers things that they Absolutely. need if they can't well, get them. It, but we also know that stuff's hard to come by. So, Angela, thank you. Tina, go ahead. It, it is hard to come by. And in the interest of full disclosure, uh, right there at home, right? Right there at uh, 21 East St. Joseph, um, our business manager had a conversation with us um, a couple of you know a couple of weeks ago about how trying to get everything for the very few people that are still in the building mm-hmm. has been almost impossible. And she was trying almost a month ago. And things were on back order. So a lot of the companies that that may uh, be trying to get things can't get them, as you say, in short supply. But then the other thing is there are uh, places out there that are donating. So maybe there's a company that can donate to Indigo that can help. Or, you know, somehow if Indigo is having a difficult time accessing um product and accessing supplies like so many other people, including the Indianapolis stations of Radio One, having a very difficult time getting a hold of sanitizer, getting a hold of uh, Lysol spray, getting a hold of wipes. Um, it's just it's just difficult.
Well, and you know what, Tina, you yeah. t- you um, remember a couple of weeks ago, you gave me a face mask that I've just been holding on to <laughs> and emergency mask. Yeah, yeah. it, it is now uh, come in handy. And so I had it the other day. Uh, my photographer, uh, Paul, that I was working with at Channel Six is like, hey, where'd you get that mask? You got another one of those is like, nope, couldn't find another one. If I wanted to give you this one because uh, they're not in any stores and someone gave me this one weeks ago. So, yeah, uh, th- yeah. this but stuff- I will I will tell people. Um, going back to the things that you can do at home, my stepmom and I were looking at no sew mask um, last Sunday on YouTube to make one for her mother that works in a fulfillment um, center, a big one here that does not provide um, protective equipment for their employees. So I would encourage everybody to be doing that. If you can't find the mask, um, go online and look up no sew mask. There are some simple, easy things that you can use um, that you likely have at home to just add that protection for yourself. Scarves. Yep, um, absolutely. Yeah. That'll work in a pinch. Yep. Well, Tina and Ebony, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. There are still several callers sitting on hold and we're going to come to you on the other side of the break as we continue into the nine o'clock hour. But when we do come back, we're not only going to continue this conversation, but we will also talk to the experts at IU Health about how and where you can get a screening. It's hard enough to come by those PPE products, but a test alone is like gold and not everyone can get it. So if you're going through something, you have symptoms that could or may not be coronavirus, there is a way to get a virtual screening. We will uh, show you how that's done and we will also uh, do a little screening of that of our own right here on the air. And then at 930, we'll be talking with a doctor who's been in the ER and has seen how Indiana is handling this uh, from the front lines. There is so much more to talk about on the Open Line Show. I'm Cameron Rudham with Ebony Chappelle and our Community Affairs Director Tina Cosby. The Open Line Show continues at 9 o'clock after this. Welcome back. Welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. I'm Ebony Chappelle here with Cameron Riddle and our Community Affairs Director, Tina Cosby. We've had a fantastic conversation this morning um, discussing coronavirus from various angles. We had a lot of great callers call in as well. So if you want to join in on this conversation, give us a call at 317-239-9696. Once again, that phone number is 317-239-9696. And before we jump back into those calls, um, we have a special guest with us, Dr. Michelle Saysana. She is the Chief Quality and Safety Officer at IU Health. Dr. Michelle Saysana, how are you? Good, how are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, we mentioned earlier in the show that IU Health is offering a wonderful service to the community by offering free virtual coronavirus screenings. Um, Walk us through what those screenings um, are and how people can access them. Oh, sure. So the screenings um, are available on an app, our IU Health virtual visit app that can be downloaded on your smartphone. Um, And then you connect, um, you click on, it's pretty easy, you click on the coronavirus screening tab and you connect with a nurse who will see you. So it's similar to, you know, FaceTime or any of those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll have a conversation. The nurse will walk you through a series of questions, but at the same time, be able to see you and look at how you're breathing and 
your color and um, your skin color and how if you're, you know, sweaty or, or not looking like you're feeling so good. And then based on your symptoms, give you um, either sort of guidance to um, stay at home and supportive care or um, uh, guidance to seek additional medical care, whether that be a virtual visit with one of our um, physicians or nurse practitioners, or if you're um, in in such a situation that, uh, that you need to go to the emergency room, we'll get you directed to an emergency room that's near you, and we'll make a call to that emergency department to expect you. Um, so those the visits are, are free, and um, we, we do them 24-7. As long as you are physically in the state of Indiana, it is open to you. You don't have to be an IU health patient. Wow. Tina, did you have something? Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, okay, I thought I heard you in the background. I no, no. wanted to definitely clear to clear I, the I way. Was listening and yeah. Taking notes here. <laughs> so, Don Wonderful. here, let me ask you this question. Um, so, um, obviously, we don't want to get so many people who are going into the ER um, and going to the hospital because that may not be the most effective way to slow the spread. So, right. um, can you talk about? What it is we do on this health screening that will, I guess, suffice, uh, if you will, with me not going to the hospital because you can take care of it online. Yeah, so we walk you through questions about your symptoms. So do you have fever? Are you short of breath? Are you, you know, drinking okay? Um, so we walk you through a series of symptoms, and by by uh, being able to see you. Um, that helps us give a, a, an idea of whether or not you need to seek additional care. And so I think one of the big advantages to it is that, you know, you can actually see the person face-to-face. So mm-hmm. I have um, been in what we call the hub, which is where we have all the, uh, the nurses working and have had the opportunity to help um, transition a couple of people to the emergency department who are sick enough and then also be there to, to just watch and see how we we take care of people who don't necessarily need to go to the ER. And so we've screened over 22,000 people since wow. we started um, about now about a little uh, three, four weeks ago. Wow, that is so, a ton of people yeah. in that short amount of time. So, so is this app available across all devices? It is. Yes, Android, um, Apple or iPhone, all, yep, all devices. Okay. So, so uh, okay. So let's do this. Um yep. Let's can can we do like a a little screening right here on the air real quick? Can you you can yeah. do a little role playing? Well, like let, let's so like I so people can understand what it is they're going to to go through. Yep. So I'll I'll be the patient and you be the doctor as you are, but be and the I'll, computer and I'll be the doctor. Okay. Yes. yes. So you would you would be asked a couple of questions before you click like as you click on the app you sure. you have to enter your name and then um, then there would be a. a group of you would you would get to click on the the person you want you'll get to see that person too you would click on my picture and my name and then um i would ask you you know how you're doing today you could tell me okay um i am really really hot right now and that's no lie that's because i think it's like 90 degrees in this building because no one has been here (laughs) because everybody's working from home problem right yes so 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 let's take that and just find out am i hot and sweaty because it's really hot in this building or am i coming down with something right so i would um so have you taken your temperature with a thermometer i don't have one with me okay that's all right all right do you have any muscle aches or 
like feeling sore? Nope. Nope. Okay. Do you have any cough? Nope. No cough. No cough. Okay. How about any shortness of breath? Like, is it hard for you to walk up the stairs or walk around your home? No. No? Okay. All right. And how about are you um, are you able to to drink enough water and enough liquids to keep everything to feel like you're hydrated? Yes. I mean, I haven't had a lot to drink today. I did yesterday, so maybe I should. Maybe you should drink some more today. Okay, great. Um, are you eating like you normally do today? Um, I actually have not eaten yet, so that maybe could contribute to how I'm feeling. Yeah, it could be. So, do you, But do you feel like sick to your stomach, like you don't want to eat, or is it just you haven't had a chance to have anything to eat yet today? I just haven't had a chance. I just, okay. I guess it's too early. Okay. Too, okay, perfect. All right, well. Then I would recommend you go ahead and have you know eat, eat some breakfast. Um, I think as far as you being warm, I if you if you can get a thermometer or you, um, then I would take your temperature. But your other symptoms don't seem to fit with coronavirus mm-hmm. or the need to have to go to the hospital right this moment. Fever can sign can be one of our uh, one of the uh, first things. So if you develop those other symptoms, you can certainly give us a call back. And we'd walk you through the screening again. But until you, um, but if, if you're still feeling warm and you don't change this, and after you change the temperature in your house, then I'm then give us a call back. Well, that yeah. was amazing. It was very thorough, oh, very dark. Now thorough. I would be able to see you a <laughs> right. little bit better than yeah. I can right now, obviously. So that give me a better idea yeah. of how you're doing too. Well, and I gotta tell Shaisana, you, that really underscores, you know, what we were speaking about earlier, trying to prevent people from going into the right. ER, um, because with so much information, and we've talked about this earlier in the show, there's a lot of conspiracies floating around. There's oh, a lot yeah. of misinformation. So sometimes, and I've had friends that have done this with every major disease, and especially now with coronavirus because of how prolific it is, but trying to self-diagnose at home because they read something on WebMD and they're like, I'm convinced I have it now, but yeah. being able to go through this screening and because it is so thorough and it's checking for all of these these high points that would lead one to believe that someone maybe has uh, come into contact with it is very very helpful um, I wanted to have you go back to when um, why patients should just focus on the app or using resources like this and when someone should take it to that step of needing to um, see a doctor in person yeah, so um, I think the app is a great thing to use <clears throat> or to call your doctor first before going um, because even even your doctor, just like I just did, I, we can, most of us are, we have um, a triage line, a nurse triage line where we can walk through the symptoms, give you, you know, we can get a sense of whether we need to see you. The reasons why we would need to see you um, potentially are because you're having trouble breathing mm-hmm. and you might need additional care. And so that, those are really the things that, that make it so that we want you to come in and see us in the emergency department. But I would always encourage everyone to call first um, because there may be some things we can do at home before we get you, before we need to see you. But I also don't want to discourage people, especially other groups like, like pregnant women who are maybe concerned about, you know, coronavirus and not seeking care. We want to make sure people, because we know other things happen, like 
heart attacks and strokes and things like that. Mm-hmm. We don't want to discourage anybody from getting care right now either, even though they're scared that um, of coronavirus too. Well, um, well, Doc, uh, b- before we go, first, let me just say, folks on the phone line, stay right there. I'm coming to you in just a second at 239-9696. But, Doc, before we let you go, um, what is the name of that app? One more time. It is the IU Health Virtual Visit. IU Health Virtual Visit. So it's basically like a FaceTime. You would get a little video yep. play what we just did here on the air. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I, I may have had go ahead, Tina. the doctor. To, no, I, I would like to do a segment like this on uh, Community Connection one day next week. So um, you guys can just send me the information. Off For the sure. Internet. That yeah, would be I, incredible. I it's sure will. Very helpful. But you know what? If, if we actually make it um, to the end of this show, uh, Tina, I'll participate with you on that. And I say make it because it is honestly so hot in this building you know no i must be all right i keep my my house hot so i'm just like chilling right now i'm like this no. is normal it's a, it's a cool uh very very cool balmy 70 right here at my house well yeah. you know there at, at the cosby studios i wish i was there with you because i'm telling you i walked in the door to this building and i said whoa, whoa. what is going on well, in here well, there's I, some ventilation work going on there as well yeah well and i suspect no one has really been in this building because everybody's working from home but i'm telling you That's i am true. sweating right now the oh, doors are open none of our windows <laughs> open in the studio so um, if I don't pass out due to heat stroke inside this building, we can, uh, I'll do that one again. We with need you, to get Tina. you a water break. Okay. okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that'll you help calm turn you the down. down in there. Yeah. I turned it to 69 in the studio and I don't think it's working. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> inoperable at this point. But again, Dr. Saysana, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, we will be sure to post this information on our websites so that you all can access the app. But Kim, we have a lot of callers. Let's go ahead and. Yeah. Doc, yeah. again, thank you uh, for, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate your time. All right. Have Bye. a good one. So, yeah, Tina, we'll have to have more of that on your show here uh, coming up uh, next week because that was very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we do have more phone calls uh, on the line and folks have been patiently waiting. So let's jump right back into them. Uh, you can join this conversation as well. We've been talking about coronavirus. Uh, what's going on in our city? Are people taking this seriously? Are you wearing masks? What are your questions? You've got people here on the air who have been immersed in this stuff. And so while we're not medical experts, we can tell you what the medical experts told us throughout the week. So two three nine nine six nine six two three nine nine six nine six. Caller on line one. Good morning. What's your name? Good morning, everybody. This is Tim. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm doing good, well, Tim. How Tim. you feeling, man? Hi, Tim. I'm good. I just called because listening to Senator Ford, I mean, to me now is not the time to, to give political answers. He done well until he got to the fact that the mayor is doing everything he can do, and it's because I keep up with this stuff. There's more that can be done in the parks and some of the city agencies because Riverside is like a summer day. Creek's like a summer day every day. And I just think that some of these parks have gates. They could lock these gates. It won't keep everybody out, but, you know, it, it would stop some of the playgrounds, people driving in, the playgrounds are crowded. And I just think some of, when you have political guys on, I mean, it's, now's the time to give us honest answers. And, I mean, Mr. Ford did a good job until he said the mayor's doing everything because I just happen to know how many crews have been shut down in DPW. And because of the coronavirus, positive, you know, coronaviruses. And and another thing is, you know, I mean, if they put a park ranger, Channel 6 did a story, if they put the park ranger at the gate of Eagle Creek, which they've done, this guy stops nobody. He just sits in his car. 
the social distancing is not happening. So I just think that there could be, I don't think we need to get to martial law at this point, but I just think we need to. Need to do a little more. We need to do a little mm-hmm. more. And like I said, you know, if they just block the parks off, if they lock some of the gates, I, I, I know what they did with the basketball courts and stuff like that. It's just a, a lot of a lot of stuff that could be done to stop some of this stuff going on. And I don't think we need to get to, you know, martial law at this point. But And another thing I happen to know is the, the Kroger's at Linwood Square is closing for about a week here in a few days. So people need to get to shopping in because – they're going to clean the store and restock that. I just know about that store. So. All right. Thank well, you so Tim, much for your I certainly talk, appreciate it. You know, you brought, you uh, bring Tina and I up to speed on a lot of things a lot of times, and so we appreciate that. And uh, and I hope you're staying well out there. I am, and thank you guys for what you guys are doing. I appreciate everything you guys thank do. Thank you, Tim. Absolutely. So, you know, when when Tim is talking about, you know, the parks, we've heard uh, uh, New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo talk about this. He had done the same thing in the beginning where he had kept the parks open, encouraged people to go out to the park, but said, keep your social distancing. I don't want to see a bunch of kids playing together, but I want to give you some green space so that you can enjoy some of the fresh air and some of this nice weather. And I know it's the same thing um, that our mayor is doing. They have not closed all of the city parks or all of the state parks because they want you to not feel like a caged rat as we're all stuck in the house for uh, going on a month now. But at the same time, it's up to us to do what we're supposed to do. If you go to the park, you go to Riverside, you go to uh, Craner Park, wherever, um, don't be all up there with six, seven, eight, nine, ten of your cousins and whatnot because then you're causing the problem and you're spreading disease and everything. It's just so simple. We don't, it should not take the mayor to close the parks. We should be able to take the information that they're telling us and what is best to do go to the park, keep your distance. But when we don't do that, is when they decide, all right, look, y'all ain't following directions. And then they have to bring down the hammer. And they have to turn yeah. into. Um, have to turn into Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. There. All of the city parks are closed as far as programming. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And things of that nature. And so um, it's, I guess, maybe like Tim was saying, maybe the, re- the remainder of it has to be uh, has to be done at some point in time. But if, if they're forced to. Right. Again, yeah, it, it, I feel like we're going to probably get to that point where they're going to oh, yeah. be forced to um, have people standing at the gates of the parks to not let people in, which is a shame. But, you know, to underscore the point of personal responsibility. Um, I think it's one of those things where if you see people in your immediate sphere of influence, whether they be your friends, your family, et cetera, who are not adhering to social distancing rules, explain to them how serious this is. This is going to get if you don't already know somebody that has contracted the virus, give it a couple of weeks and you're going to know somebody personally that comes into contact with it and has issues one way or the other. And prayerfully, it's not anything extreme, but this is going to continue to affect us all on major levels so we have to have that personal responsibility um, because we don't want you know the mayor to completely shut it down to the point where you can't go out and do anything but that is going to be the next step if things don't get under control Two three nine nine six nine six two three nine nine six nine six. the call lines are still open actually they're all full right now but you can still call in when they're not busy let's go to the caller on line two good morning what's your name caller Hold on, he's listening to the radio. I can hear yep, I can hear us in the back. Hold on, wait. Three, two, one. Hey, that's you. Oh, there's a big delay. I'm like, he's coming. Three, two. I'm talking to you. 
Uh, he's going to find out that it was him. Yeah, he's way behind because yeah. I can hear you still talking back there. All right, we're going to call me back. Two, three, nine, nine, six, nine, six. Let me go to the next caller on line three. Caller, good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. yes, you're Ron. How you doing? Okay. What's and your name? What's on your mind? Hello? Yeah, you're there. Go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm calling about the jails. Uh-huh. They have co- six people that just t- tested positive in there uh, yesterday mm-hmm. for corona. And, which, which jail, ma'am? Uh, jail 2, Marion County Jail. Marion County Jail 2. Okay, okay. 2, and they're not giving these people anything, no sanitizer or anything to wash phones off or anything. And now they just came and told them that they was tested positive, but they're not cleaning the jails. They're not giving them nothing. They haven't changed their sheets or anything. They still run around there and saying germy uh, stuff that they had, and they already been contacted. And so now the prisoners are refusing to take their medicine because they're not sanitizing anything and it's no use and they still around each other now do you know if you have anyone have have you reached out or anyone you know reached out to the powers that be at the jail and what have they told you they're not answering any phones and no one is calling back all right well Wow, that's something that we definitely can can look into to well, help we'll answer. we'll look into it by yeah. uh, inviting some of the Marion County uh, Sheriff's folks onto the show maybe for next week because Absolutely. there's a lot of information. Like I said, we all know somebody uh, or who who is is behind bars right now, and uh, no matter what they did, there are some innocent folks in there as well. So I know, mean, we, but at the end of the day, this is human people, life. Yes, we've got to treat life. people like people. So I, I yeah. say it that way for the people who just be, see people as one in there exactly. rather than human. Um, well, I wanted to push for the people that don't have that much time to get an early release mm-hmm. because my loved one, he only has 45 days. And I think he should have been the first one to get emergency release. Now, now, do you know if anybody there, uh, I know there's been talk of it. Do you know if anybody there's been sent out an emergency release yet? Well, the people that they're bringing in that's on probation mm-hmm. or something, you know, people to kill people, they send some of them out because the courts are not open. Well, the we- courts have been closed since March the 10th. You know, but I think the people that's already in there that only have 45 days ought to be the one getting out. And I think he should have been the first one out. Because he got less than 45 days. All right. Well, that's something. He don't really have a serious case. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something we'll certainly uh, check into. Uh, I I will certainly invite uh, the folks from the Marion County Sheriff's Department uh, on to uh, clear up what they are doing in the jail, because this is not just a Marion County jail problem. It's uh, all of our jails. They're all overcrowded, our prisons as well. And so there are valuable claims about what's going on. Go ahead, Tina. and Cameron and Ebony, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Mm-mm. but oh, no. it seems like the emerging problem is the intake yeah. to, to these institutions more, you know, just as much as the people that are already there. But the people that are being transferred and taken into these institutions or assigned to various institutions on a daily basis, that is an emerging problem as well. Two three nine nine six nine six two three nine nine six nine six. More callers on the line. Let's keep it going. Caller on line one. What's your name? What's on your mind? Good to hear from you, man. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning, Em. Oh, yeah, I heard you guys uh, talk about my little dissertation, what's going on. I didn't 
didn't drive, I didn't go to any storage today, so I don't know what was at Riverside yesterday, but all week it was pretty pretty terrible. But I asked Pastor Jackson a question yesterday, and I think he just tried to apply it to religious people, and I wasn't just applying it to religious people about discipline, about forthright, about steadfastness, about really drawing upon your faith. If you claim to be faithful people, that's any of us, Muslim, I'm commissioned, any of us, drawn upon what we, uh, our, our, our ancestral spirits, and, and then uh, the scientific understanding as um, as I would say, our culture then, because uh, uh, Dr. Middlebrook talked about using culture. So let's say, let's say in our culture, why are we not paying attention to the science? Mm-hmm. And why, from a psychological standpoint, we can't practice some patience, some, some uh, fortitude of mental strength and things of that nature during this period of time? Because Alexander uh, Cortez said the other day that the, the spike was greatly going up in black and brown communities. I haven't looked at all the data. Maybe you guys have. That's that. it's accurate. Uh, Tina actually, um, she sent us an, an article for us to read, and I would love to have her um, jump in on this conversation to bring us up to speed. But there are in, in cities where they are reporting the race data, they are showing that black and brown people are disproportionately being affected by the coronavirus. Um, and when you look at it, you're talking about culture. I mean, we are disproportionately impacted by so many things, whether it's socioeconomic, other health factors. Um, So it's no wonder that coronavirus is hitting us as hard as it is um, because of those systemic factors. But to the point of discipline, um, I understand that people of color, poor people, we have an earned mistrust of systems because we have been um, discriminated, discriminated against. Um, systemic oppression is real. So we've had things done to us that are unfair. We've had institutions completely lie to us, rob us, do these other things. So I think that sometimes that plays a role into why people don't take things seriously when it comes from the government, when it comes from experts, because they're used to um, after generations and generations of being mistreated and being misled. But in this particular instance, when you pay attention to the science, when you see Every single day I get up and I see more and more people that I know who have the loved ones who have impact, who have been directly physically impacted by this virus. People who have loved ones that have died um, due to this virus and they can't even hold um, proper funeral services for them because um, of how serious this is. And the fact that it stays on the body for several days after the fact, I mean, it's just extreme. I think what we need to realize is that when we don't practice discipline, when we run out to um, Riverside Park and it's 30 cars deep and they're hanging out and stuff like that, you are almost signing a death warrant for your own community at that point because you're all close together. I'm just trying to figure out how it's, it's, it's like... If I told you that here was some rat poison in this cheesecake, would you eat the cheesecake? No, yeah. So basically, we've got things laid out right in front of us, and we complain about children. See, this is my thing here. We complain about the children going to schools, not having discipline, not listening to teachers, not this, that, and the third. Okay, children take their leave from the adults. Mm -hmm. So since we see these adults acting like they're worse than children, because it's not a long time. If we do, if we do what we're supposed to do within 30 to 45 days, we could be a, 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 get the curve We could be on a totally different level. And then you could have a summer to have all the partying. You want to have all the partying. I just don't understand why we claim to be, we we, we are, our history shows we've been strong people, especially Mm -hmm. mentally. And yet now, for a short amount of time, all of us now, Cannot show we some mental strength. I'm ex-military vet, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, basic training was was in tech school was about 15 weeks. Yep. You didn't have any contact with ladies. 
your family, yeah. or anything. And so you have to have that real weeks. discipline. So yes. If, if, if most guys, you know, call in some veterans and tell how easily it is to get your mindset yeah. to, to, to discipline yourself mm-hmm. on greater goals and stuff like that. Come on, veterans, yeah. call in and well, tell em, how easy it is. I want to say thank you. Yeah. People can't even discipline themselves for a little short time, and yeah. this is easy to me. It thank is, yeah. Time. Thank you so much, Em. And Tina, I want to have you jump in really quickly before we wrap up. Hold on, hold that thought, Ebony. Hold that thought. We don't have time for Tina to jump in real quick. I wanted to know before um, before uh, M hung up where he was because it sounded so peaceful there in a second. With where, the birds yeah, chirping. Yeah, with the birds chirping yeah. in, the, in the background. It sounded so beautiful. Um, but hey, look, um, Tina is going to be with us on the other side of the break. We'll continue this conversation because we are approaching 930 and we've got to take a quick break here. Uh, but when we do come back, we'll continue this conversation that we're having about coronavirus, as well as talk to a doctor who is on the front lines uh, in the ER, letting us know how our Indiana hospitals are faring. And part of that conversation is going to be how this is affecting African-Americans. I know at the beginning we all talked about, mm, I don't know if this coronavirus thing is something black people can get. Again, but, uh, Conspiracy theories. I've got to tell you that that yeah. is not true. We have seen several people who of color get this, and several of them have passed away. We will have this continuing conversation on the Open Line Show when we come back from this break. I'm Cameron Riddle with Ebony Chappelle and Community Affairs Director Tina Cosby. This is the Open Line Show. Welcome back to Open Lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3. I'm Ebony Chappelle here with Cameron Riddle and Tina Cosby, our Community Affairs Director. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this morning. We've had a fantastic show, um, talked about a lot of things. And if you've missed any part of the show, you can follow us on social media at Open Line Show, where we will post the link. It'll also be posted on our websites, as well as SoundCloud and the Apple Podcast app. Um, Before we went to break, we had a lot of callers. If you want to join in on this conversation, give us a call at 317-239-9696, and uh, we will get you in. But before we jump back to our callers, we have um, Dr. Lindy Randall-Hayes on the line. She is a traveling ER doctor. Dr. Randall-Hayes, how are you? I'm doing very well. Good morning, guys. Good Good morning. morning. Good morning. Yep, yep. So, um... I understand you are a traveling ER doctor, so you've been in facilities throughout Indianapolis, um, as well as you told me when we talked earlier this week that you've been commissioned to go and travel to some other places as well. Um, Give us an overview of what it's been like from the front lines um, working in these emergency facilities during COVID-19. Um, I mean, I would say probably the one of the biggest things that I am uh, seeing kind of as an overview is the um, somewhat of a lack of, of consistency with different mm-hmm. facilities and sites. I think that's probably one of the, the biggest concerns that we have as emergency physicians is that depending upon where you are, um, unfortunately, not only in the state, but um, not only in the country, rather, but also, you know, unfortunately, in the state. So um, some of the practices that we have going on in the Indianapolis area proper are different than the practices that are going on in some of our more rural communities. I think Mm -hmm. that's probably one of the biggest concerns that that we have is the consistency across the board, um, which would definitely help us to get a better hold on this virus and those that are getting sick. 
So on that point about consistency, I want to have you give us um, some examples when you say the difference between working in um, a facility here in central Indianapolis and in Metro Indy versus being in a rural facility. What are some of those big differences that you're seeing in terms of protocol? Um, I would say um, the protocol, such as just even the checking in, um, who actually gets to go all the way back into the general emergency department treatment area. Um, for example, here in, you know, Metro Indian, in central Indiana, uh, Marion County, when you go into a, a facility, there's um, a fairly strict protocol in terms of who can come back into the emergency department with the patient that has a complaint, mm-hmm. right? So um, here, uh, one of the things that I have, have heard here in the city and have seen here in the city, uh, as well as other larger metropolitan cities across the country, you know, Detroit, New York, of course, that basically, you know, when I checked in my family member or when I drove them to the door and they came out, uh, a worker came out with the wheelchair to bring them back in to be treated, I have not seen them in, you know, whatever, three days. Mm-hmm. Um, so they and, were and distancing was- immediately. They were distancing immediately, and I think that's one of the biggest things. I've had so many calls and texts and things from family members and people who, you know, people who I know, and they're like, you know, my such-and-so and such-and-so, can I just tell you what happened, you know, to me and my family? When we drove up to the emergency department, you know, they immediately took my husband back, my cousin back, my aunt back, and I haven't seen him or her, you know, since, and they won't let me upstairs and all those kinds of things. So, um that is, those are the type of, uh, of uh, measures that are being taken in some of our larger metropolitan areas here in the, you know, of course, here in the in this uh, larger Indianapolis area, as well as some of our larger cities across, you know, across the country. But when you go to, you know, rural communities or, you know, smaller hospitals, um, you're not seeing that um, necessarily that level of urgency. Um, and, and do you think um, that it's partly because they haven't seen as many cases, so maybe they don't feel like they have to be as extreme right now? What are your thoughts on, you know, whether that's a, a proper way to do things or not? Yeah, well, I think some of it is that they, because of the number of cases that they, you know, have not seen and they maybe have not seen the, um, um, you know, the type of, of toll that it's taken on the community. But the issue with that is that there are still people who are succumbing to this disease or symptoms thereof. And because of the um, difficulty and the um, issue that we're seeing uh, in terms of not being able to mass test people, they don't really know if that patient had COVID or not, mm-hmm. uh, quite mm-hmm. honestly. They just know that the patient, you know, died of a, you know, of a pneumonia um, and then, you know, if they're older patient, you know, some of them may have been in a nursing home or had, you know, multiple comorbidities, um, the cause of death is, you know, sometimes in these in the uh, rural communities or the communities that have not seen as many documented cases, I would say, the cause of death oftentimes is accounted to something, you know, other than COVID because they don't know and the patient is not tested either while they're in the hospital or if they are tested, there's such a long waiting period to get the results back. And then we're having an issue with, um, unfortunately, post-mortem testing, which mm-hmm. is where we will also find and get the doc, the uh, documentation or get the data, rather, that we need in order to really 
you know, get a handle on this disease and what's happening. Dr. Randall, what is it like right now on the front lines in the hospitals? What is it like right now in the hospitals? It is, um, it's very, very busy. It's uh, very, it's somewhat chaotic. Now, be quite honest with you, I'll tell you, some of the, the outlying communities are not as busy. Uh, the volume is going down. I think a lot of places are um, doing the stay at play and stay at home like they should be doing. But on the front lines, it is, um, you know, we have to, we call the emergency medicine uh, organized chaos. And that's when, one of the things that drew me to emergency medicine is because of the um, the adrenaline, the constant going, going, going. You never know what you're going to get. Well, in this day and age, we know what we're going to get. Pretty much every other patient that we see is um, going to have some type of uh, upper respiratory complaint. So uh, basically, you have to um, uh, get all of your, you know, your protective uh, equipment on, your, you know, gowns, your, your, um, you may have seen the, there's like a one-piece white suit that we have. It has mm-hmm. a hood on it. I actually had to purchase my own. Those are some of the things that are not provided by the hospitals locally. Um, there is, is some difficulty, you know, some difficulty getting equipment, some difficulty getting the uh, N95, uh, but the basic masks are available. But there is some continual uh, difficulty um, in consistently being able to get the N95 um, the most protective mask. So it's, um, you know, large, you know, long waiting time. Um, mm. it, people have to understand when you come to the emergency department, you're not going to necessarily, depending on what you're complaining of, you're not going to necessarily be brought right back into the treatment area. Um, so there's long waiting times and then, you know, in the waiting rooms, you know, four or five, you know, four or five hours. We're trying to, as best we can, triage people with, um, lesser complaints to a, either a different area or back to their primary doctor, who most of them are doing, you know, telemedicine business right now. Tina, but, we yeah. had uh, Tina, we had talked about previously how this coronavirus thing, uh, folks were saying at the beginning, this isn't something that black yeah. people can get. Like we were immune from it, but we've seen new data that says otherwise. Yeah, there's a ProPublica report uh, that states that uh, alarmingly, uh, African-Americans seem to be dying uh, from coronavirus at an alarming rate. Um, the Milwaukee uh, is a test case because a number, the problem is, Cameron and, and Ebony and Doctor, that a number of states and public health uh, agencies are not either releasing the information by race or even recording the information by race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee, according to this article that um, our general manager uh, and operations manager, Karen and Dion sent us, um, is one of the few places that is. Uh, the Milwaukee uh, health commissioner says, we're like, we have to wake people up. Now, the, uh, according to the article, what it was saying is, as the disease spreads, um, the, it it's scary how many people let me get to the percentages here but it's uh they want to talk to people working living in on the front line to help with the coronavirus help them to report uh the impact that it is having on african americans and i am i'm my my phone just jumped here but it, it, it was an alarming rate of, of a, black people and they don't absolutely. account for a very high percentage of the population. So um, when you're thinking about it in comparison, um, mm-hmm. it's not far off from like a Marion County. So 
I know that people here in um, Indianapolis have called for um, that data to be recorded by race and to start being reported so that we can get an accurate look yeah. at what it's looking here like here. Here, here it is, Evan, uh-huh. right here. Uh, it says, as of Friday morning, African-Americans made up almost half of Milwaukee County's 945 cases mm-hmm. and 81% of its 27 deaths in a county whose population is 26% black. So that echoes what you were saying, Ebony. Yes, it's very similar to Indianapolis, which is what, 28, 29% black. Yeah, we're about 29%. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Milwaukee is one of the few places in the U.S. that's tracking the racial breakdown of people who have been infected by the novel coronavirus, offering a glimpse at the disproportionate destruction it is inflicting on black communities nationwide. There is a whole lot yeah. more to dig into in uh, in that particular article, which is on uh, ProPublica.org. But that's a snapshot of what we are looking at and possibly an indicator of things to come. Absolutely. This is no urban myth. This affects black people. And it it's is. It's colorblind. Uh, yeah, it affects all kind of people. Dr. Dr. Randall, Lindy, yeah. uh, Dr. Randall, what, what, how does that shape up to what you're seeing in our Indiana hospitals? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The majority of the patients that I have seen and that we have admitted um, that are on even on the vent right now as we speak are African-Americans wow. uh, who have um, uh, been you know, diagnosed with uh, coronavirus or COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so this is absolutely consistent. And to, to find that on, you know, April the 5th, that we are just finally really starting to look at the demographics of this public health emergency mm-hmm. is an atrocity. I mean, um, uh, and again, this is uh, exemplary of, in, you know, here in Indianapolis proper, here Milwaukee, I'm looking at the same article you were looking at as well, Tina. Yeah. Um, you know, in Michigan, I've recently been called to uh, man a, um, a offsite hospital at the Detroit Convention Center. Um, you know, Detroit is, is the same thing happening in Detroit, where Detroit the well. you know, majority, you know, so it, it's just it mirrors across the country. And, um, and 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 so as we begin to and as we look at the the dollars that have just been put forward for um, for both studying and for all of the different things, uh, so unemployment and all of those things, there need to be dollars put into the communities of color so that we can evaluate and investigate. And I'll be quite honestly, unfortunately, the numbers actually probably are a third higher, at least, than what they're reporting. Why? Mm-hmm. Because African-Americans are not being tested, right? So, you know, some of us, you know, are may go into the hospital, you know, with a, you know, asthma attack and succumb to an asthma attack. Well, we are not necessarily seeing the numbers of comorbid or uh, uh, post-mortem testing that we need to see. So even some of those patients who, um, um, you know, are the numbers that they're reporting, I really believe in, and my colleagues, we all talk about it all the time, that these numbers are, you know, un- unfortunately, significantly, you know, yeah. a lot wow. lower than what truly and doctor, is. Doctor, one of the lines in the article was uh, was an infectious disease physician uh, at Howard University, and the quote yeah. is, it will my be unimaginable pretty mm. soon. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I- I have colleagues that um, I did my residency training at um, Howard in the emergency uh-huh. department, and um, I am hearing the same things um, that um, basically every, of course, when you come in emergency department with upper respiratory, with lower respiratory symptoms, you're automatically presumed to have COVID, and it's 
there is um, the turnover time and getting the results back is it's improving, but it's still not where it needs to be. Mm. Um, but the patients are pouring in so fast, the testing is almost as difficult to keep up with them. Dr. Mm-hmm. Ebony and Tina, uh, we've got several calls here on the line. Before we get to those, we want, I want to hit those before we end the show here. But, Doctor, very quickly, how are we doing on ventilators and beds here in Indiana as this continues to ramp up? Because the governor says we're just at the beginning. Yes, we are just at the beginning. So there has not been anybody that we have needed or that I have needed to intubate that I have not had a ventilator for. Um, but we have to project out with our cases, and um, we have to project out in terms of the need that we're going to have. So the um, there have not really been folks that have um, uh, needed to be intubated that we did not have a ventilator available for them. So, um, and that's down in the emergency department is, is what I'm seeing. And they're, you know, once they get in the bay of the emergency department, you know, the vent is theirs until they're able to hopefully and prayerfully be able to be weaned off of the ventilator. And do you think so that's going to continue as we project higher, that you'll be able to have enough? Um, that is, it's unclear. Um, my concern is that um, there is, there some off-site hospitals that are going to be going up. I'm not sure if you had talked about early in the mm-hmm. week. Uh, and they're still facilities. determining locations for a lot of those. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're still determining. So, so my concern is as we continue to build these offsite facilities and uh, we have patients that we send over there, you know, we are not for sure. Our, our hope is that they are not going to, you know, change into a respiratory patient that needs a ventilator. Um, but the numbers are still yet to be determined, quite honestly. All right, two three nine nine six nine six. We've got a couple minutes left in the show. We want to power through these callers who've been waiting patiently on the line. I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds to say what's on your mind, and we're going to keep the show rolling. Caller on line one, you're live. Good morning. What's your name? Valerie Hitchings. Hey, Valerie, what's on your mind? Yes, I'm calling concerning Plainfield Correctional Facility. Mm-hmm. They have four cases of corona, and my concern is I have a husband and family member there. Um, they are very scared down there. They don't have the supplies. They don't have the, the nurses even told them they don't have the right supplies to give them soap and, um, and all the things they need to protect themselves. And it's spreading wildly, and they're really fast. So that's my concern. What are we going to do about, you know, the they in the dorm set it went over 110 mm-hmm. men and they're not social distance at all. So that's my concern. Sir. Well, um, I want you to tune in next week because, again, we are going to work on getting not only some of our, our Marion County Sheriff's folks at the jail, but also uh, maybe someone from the state correctional level who can address this across the board on how coronavirus is being uh, tackled inside of the uh, Indiana prison system. Let me go to the caller online. Thank you, Valerie, too. for your call. You're live on the air, caller. What's your name? Hello? Caller line two, that's you. Moving on in three, two. All right, caller on line three. Good morning. What's your name? Uh, hello. Hi, yes, that's you. What's your name? Uh, my name is Miss Jackson. Miss Jackson, what's on your mind? Uh, I was calling about because, okay, it's a lot of talk about the coronavirus mm-hmm. and, and everything. Uh, why isn't it that they came out with a, a cure for it yet? I mean, it's so it's so much talk that we have to be distant, we have to stay in. Um, they're shutting down the stores where only so many people can go in, but 
you're not hearing anything about that it's in the works of some type of shot for it, medication for it, to stop all the the deaths that's going down mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff. I mean... All right, Miss Jackson. So, thank you, Miss Jackson. So here's his, so. All right, so Miss Jackson. Yeah. So here's the great thing about this show: we have a doctor who was on the line right now and who can mm-hmm. address that. Uh, Doc, this is the end of our show, but I wanted you to answer that question uh, in the best way that you can. Well, I would say, um, given the work that the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, and the World Health Organization, um, I think that that is something that they are are working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be honest with you, it is. Um, just like it took some time for us to, you know, I told my husband how we had to develop a influenza vaccine and it's like a polio vaccine. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that has to be developed. It has to be, you know, tested. I mean, we, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that's the thing. You can't just create something and start injecting people, you know, with it. It has to be proven that it's, there's efficacy, that it works, and that it's safe. Yeah. And doctor, line. I've seen predictions um, going out until next year. So I've seen predictions that say some point in 2021, we may have, um, yeah a vaccine for this but thank you again so much for calling in thank you for the work that you're doing on the front lines um we appreciate your time dr randall hayes thank you thank you for having me all right uh, an outstanding uh uh piece of uh resource of information from dr lindy randall there uh talking to us live here on the open line show about what is happening inside of the hospitals tina uh much more conversation that we can uh, carry this over to your show starting tomorrow at one Absolutely. Starting tomorrow at one. And, um, you know, we have uh, as much as we can get into the show. And then each day uh, we break away for the governor's um, press briefing. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, we're going to follow up on a couple of these subjects that we talked about today, as well as uh, bring up a couple of other things that uh, are of importance and need to be discussed and shared with our listening audience. Thank you, guys. Great, great show this morning. All right, Tina, it's always a pleasure to have you here with us. And we will check in with you tomorrow as this stuff continues to continue to develop very, very quickly. You can stay with Tina Cosby on uh, Community Connection starting tomorrow live at 1 on AM 1310 and 92.7 FM. The Light Ebony, where are you this week? So I am working this week. I am still working from home. Um, I will be sharing information with you all on social as well um, as we continue to practice social distancing. You can find me at Ebony the Writer on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'll be here next Sunday at 8 a.m. on 106.7 and Height 96.3. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you tomorrow night on RTV6 News beginning at 5. We'll be covering what the governor has to say as things continue to develop and change. As always, we appreciate you listening to The Open Line Show. I'm Cameron Moodle for Ebony Chappelle and Tina Cosby. Be safe, be well, and stay inside, y'all. Stay inside. Peace.